0: On our first episode of Common Mystics, we stumble upon a young girl's untimely death. Was it murder? Suicide? A potential cover-up? Join us as we revisit the Putnam Library in the small town of Nashville, Michigan. I'm Jennifer James. I'm
1: Jill Stanley.
0: We're psychics. We're sisters. And we are Common Mystics. We find extraordinary stories in ordinary places. And we certainly found an extraordinary story in Nashville, Michigan. It's true. So... What compelled us to do this? That's just what we do. That's true. That's what we've always done. Use our psychic abilities to have adventures. So in this particular case, where did we start? We started at your house. And you are in, just outside of Battle Creek, Michigan. Yep. We're in Berry County. Mm -hmm. And this was a day in February.
1: It was. It was a day in February, so it was cold and snowy. Snowy. Mm -hmm. So how did we
0: start? We started at your house by making an intention, and we put it out into the universe that we wanted to find a story that we didn't already know, and that was somewhat verifiable, that was really important to
1: us. Right. And when you say a story, we're looking um, like a supernatural story, something like that.
0: I don't think we knew what we were looking
1: for, That's to a be really completely good point. honest. That's a really good point. So, how did you start after the intention? How did you? Yeah. Well, I reached
0: out outside myself into um, the universe to tap into my connection with my spirit guides. Okay. Um, my people, our people, who've already passed on the other side. So, mom, grandma, aunt Jeannie, grandpa. You know those those people who've were who part of my life. How are you engaging with them? How are they
1: communicating back with you?
0: Yeah. Well, that's a good question because you know, I'm not always sure that they are, but in this case, um, I see visions outside myself a lot of times. So in the case of mom where, you know, I set the intention, we set the intention to have an adventure. Um, I actually saw her not outside myself, but in my mind's eye, and she was pointing North. And so I told you to drive North. And in that moment when you saw mom
1: pointing us north, did you think, like, oh, this is just in my head, too good to be true? Or
0: were you like, nope, that's mom, let's go? Yeah, I was like 50-50. It could have been my (laughs) imagination. It could have been mom leading us somewhere. But, you know, stakes were low. It was just me and you in the car, so we just went with it. Yeah. So I wasn't at all self-conscious about the fact that I could be wrong. I was just like, drive north. So we're north on M37. Mm -hmm.
1: We're heading um, towards Hastings and what's what's next up? What came up?
0: Yeah, well, the next thing I saw in my mind's eye was the Dowling Public Library, which I know of. I've driven past it with you so many times, but the reason that it always stuck out in my head is because it's adorable. It's this old farmhouse that's been converted into a library. But that was the vision that I had in my head when we were driving north on M thirty seven. So I said, I'm seeing the Dowling public library so that's where I drove
1: and so now we're driving we drove up to the Dowling Public Library
0: and I look at you I'm like are we getting out of this car (laughs) and the you know what the answer was no I didn't feel at all compelled to get out to go into the library that um it that just seemed to me at that moment like it was a a guidepost, like an indicator that we were on the right direction. Okay. So we went past it. And yep. I was like, make a right here. And we kept driving. So now we are driving
1: in the country roads um, surrounding um, Barry County, Eden County, and we end up passing the um, village indicator for Nashville, Michigan. That's right. That's right. And at this point, what are you feeling?
0: Well, as soon as I saw the sign Nashville, Michigan, of course, I immediately thought Nashville, Tennessee, right? That's an obvious connection. Um, And we have a sister who lives in Nashville, Tennessee. So you and I have traveled and, you know, we've traveled there many times and we have a lot of different associations. I know I do with Nashville and all the good times that we've had there. But the immediate thing, the first thing that came to mind was a war connection, Mm -hmm. civil war, war connection. And it was an overpowering sort of civil war. Connection um, that I felt. So, moments after
1: we pass um, Nashville, Michigan sign indicator. And within minutes, we passed this huge tank that's parked outside the VFW. Right. And at that moment, um, which is kind of goosebumpy, but what were you feeling? I felt
0: that's validation. Like, okay, we are here. This is the place we were supposed to be. Okay. So we found our destination. Right. I had no idea why this was the (laughs) place. Right? Right. Did you? No. No. We didn't even know why we were there. But the fact that there was this strong war connection, we saw the tank. I was like, okay, here we are. Now, now, what, what? yeah, <laughs> so what did we do next? Well, you tell me because you led us to the next destination,
1: so at that moment, we had no reason why we were there, nope. so when in doubt, always find the cemetery, so that was my goal. We had to find the cemetery, and you
0: had never been there before, so how did how did you get us there
1: so um I've been through Nashville mission on um n sixty six but I 've never like gone off that main drag, so I had no clue where the cemetery was, so I had just put a shout out there to our people on the other side. And I was like, we need to find the cemetery, folks. And so using um, my gut feelings, like, should I make a right? Yes, no. OK, make a right, make a left.
0: That's how I um, led us to the cemetery. So when we got there, again, let's set the scene. Yep, Snow on the ground, deep snow you can't tell where the roads are within the cemetery. You can, you can see the gaps certainly between the headstones, but we weren't comfortable at all driving around. So like you had said, we were just kind of doing the perimeter of the cemetery, but you notice something right away, right? It's,
1: um, from a distance, you can see that there was a lot of American flags staked. There was a lot of metal stakes indicating some sort of service. And then upon approaching and driving around the perimeter, you notice that there are um, really specific plaques that are on different types of headstones. But the plaques are uniform and they are um, commemorating um, service, um, whether in different types of wars. So, like the um, Vietnam War, the Korean War throughout the cemetery, and it looks like, to me, there was an organizing body that had um, commemorated these um, veterans in that in that way. Right. And so here we have
0: that war connection again. Right. So you and I are driving around the cemetery, and but because it was so cold and so windy, we couldn't do what we normally do in a cemetery, which is walk the grounds, right, mm-hmm. and get up close and personal. We couldn't do that. There right. was just, it, the weather was not cooperating in that regard. But we were intently focused on the veterans' headstones. And at this time, how are you feeling? I am feeling incredibly frustrated mm. because I'm looking for something and I don't know what I'm looking for. Right. Right. right? Absolutely. So
1: so at this point, um, we I just, mean, how
0: were you feeling at this point?
1: I felt the same way. I felt like um, earlier when we were talking, I said it felt like you were looking at one of those seeing eye pages, like that the optical guy. eye. Yes. So you're looking at something and you know something's there, but you're just not focusing on it yet. But right. something's in that image that you're just not seeing clearly. That's a great analogy because that's exactly how it felt. Mm-hmm. So we were frustrated, but we knew we were on to something. And we decided to go get something to eat at Good Times, which is a diner off of M66 in Nashville, Michigan. So um, as we go to Good Times, we pass the public library there. Mm -hmm. And um, just thinking like, oh, that's cool. It's It's a public library, whatever.
0: Right. So we're at the restaurant. Right, and you think to ask the waitress, just like a local, you know, is there a war connection that's notable? Do you remember what she said?
1: She was like, do you want extra cheese on your – like, she was not interested at all. She was like, I don't know what you're talking
0: about. She was like nothing out of the ordinary to her. But remembering that, hey, this town has a library. We just passed it, and it's a couple doors down. Um, I was kind of feeling deflated at that point. Oh, totally. Yeah. I I feel like at that – when we were eating,
1: it it was like – we can't make sense of it. And it was a little frustrating, um, especially after the waitress's response to us was like we were being ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so from there.
0: From there, we knew that there was a library just a few doors away. Okay. So we thought, hey, why don't we see if there's somebody who knows something about the history of this town or something about a war connection. It's probably a librarian, right? Mm, right. So uh, you called to make sure it was open. Yep. And luckily it was. And so after lunch, we decided to go down to the Nashville Public Library. Public Library, yeah. So um, when we drive to the library, a couple of doors down, um, what do you immediately notice about this library? Immediately, I noticed that, is an, that it's an old house mm. that's been converted into a library. And there's a historical marker. There was a plaque right next to the door um, that said that it was a building of historical significance. Once owned by Charles M. Putnam, built in 1884 and 85, Charles and Agnes. He was a hardware merchant and a banker at the time, um, and he will. They willed their home to Nashville for the use for use as a public library.
1: Yeah, it was a very cool old building. Like the doors were old, heavy. The doorknobs were lower. It was just. It felt like you were walking into an era. Totally. Yeah. So we walk in. And Jill, what's the first thing? <laughs> what's the first thing that we did when we walked in the door? So when you walk in, immediately to your left, there's a staircase. And we we beeline for the staircase and start to go up as fast as we can. I did not realize that there was a hatch door that closed off the staircase to the second floor. So it's like I'm walking up into a ceiling. And at that moment...
0: The librarian was like, can I help you? (laughs) So that was embarrassing. Um, So I backed down, beep, beep,
1: (laughs) beep, down the staircase. And I was like, ah, Um, and asked her, um, I said, "We're, we're new to town. We were just driving around. We realized that there seems to be a really significant emphasis that you folks put on veterans and their service. And what can you tell me about that? Um, And as we're having that conversation, we're walking back towards her desk. That's right. Uh, Right. So we were trying to, one, get answers, but two, um, try to forget that we made a total ass of ourselves trying to run (laughs) up the stairs that had no
0: way up. So when we get to the desk and you're, you're talking to the librarian who is very nice but really didn't have any personal information to share, any personal knowledge that would help us out, there was a young lady sitting at a computer station just a few feet from the circulation desk and she looked up and said, I thought you were here for the legends. Err? <laughs> so when you heard her say that, what were you thinking? Um,
1: I didn't know what she was talking about, but it sounded like a group, like either like a social group or a band. So I thought it was cool, just the name. I was like, err? And so we're like, tell tell me more. And so I asked if we can record her, and we engaged her and asked her questions
0: about what she was talking about. So take it from there. Well, you know, she was such a nice young lady, and she was actually not talking about a social group (laughs) or a band. She was talking about the legends surrounding the library, which is purportedly haunted. Mm -mm -mm. So she said that there are multiple versions of the stories, um, but the Putnams were obviously important people at the time um and that library is of course as we already knew the original putnam house from the 1800s now the upstairs is shut off as we already knew (laughs) found out the hard way but she said that you can hear noises and people moving around up there when nobody's up there she said that she and her friends um, as teenagers would hear noises coming from the library at night when it was closed She says that some of the stories say that Charles Putnam got a mistress pregnant and that he shot his wife, his mistress, and then himself. She also said that one of the stories was about his nephew and that his nephew had an affair with a maid and got the maid pregnant. Now, we specifically asked Elizabeth if there were other haunted places in the town, if this was like something, you know, that's all over the town. And she said no, that really it's just the library that has this reputation for being haunted. We also asked her if she had had any sort of psychic experiences, just in general, just to see if she was that... Like a sensitive? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she said no, really. It was just the library where she had experiences hearing noises, you know, purportedly of ghosts in the library so that was super interesting yeah it and was unexpected
1: really cool so um talking to elizabeth we kind of were like oh this is really cool and i asked the librarian if we can get upstairs I was like, we need to get up there. And she said, well, once a month, they open the upstairs by appointment with the the Nashville Historical Society. And she um, gave me a telephone number to contact to schedule an appointment so that I can get upstairs. Um, so at that point, I was super excited. And Jen and I, we were walking around the library. Right. Is there anything when you were walking around that you thought was cool or interesting? Because we were only downstairs at that point, but still kind of cool, right?
0: Right. You know... I was going to ask you the same question. I really connected to the portraits mm-hmm. that were on the wall. It was, I always find it very interesting looking at old pictures of people who have passed. Um, and there was a portrait of Agnes and Charles both. And also some other older pictures. Mm-hmm, right? Of the property and yes. the town mm-hmm. from the era. Right. So at that point, I think he, um, you made an appointment to come back. Yes. I, I made, um, I let her
1: know that I would be contacting the Historical Society and the head librarian to make an appointment to um, go upstairs. But um, really, we had nothing else to do at the library that day,
0: so we left. And where did we go? Did we you went you back to the cemetery. We did. And why? Well, because we had heard those stories that Elizabeth told us, right? Mm-hmm. And some of the stories involved Charles Putnam killing his wife and then himself and we thought well if we wanted to corroborate that we could go to the back to the cemetery right now find their gravestones and then we'll know if the dates match that um, we were uh, that we would either prove or disprove at least a portion of those tales right mm-hmm so um, we we were able to find the... Okay.
1: So we're driving back towards the cemetery. And again, we can't really drive through the cemetery. No. We just have to go around the perimeter. So we're feeling like this is a long shot to find their graves, right? Right. And so we're driving and... do do And all of a sudden, Jennifer yells and scares me going, Oh my God, there's this! Because she sees the Putnam family headstone. Yeah. So we found them. Yeah. Yeah. So Jennifer found, found them. them. <laughs> like... Like a hound dog.
0: She was on it. (laughs) Anyway, so um, we didn't stay long.
1: No, it was way cold. But we
0: did drive back into the cemetery. We got out of the car for like a second, checked the gravestones, and then we were able to see – he couldn't have just killed his wife and himself because he died years before his wife. Right.
1: Right. A few years, yep.
0: Right. So that couldn't have happened. Right. But we also knew, like, there's a
1: story here, and we don't know what it is, but we know that we're on to something. But – Um, we didn't have the means at that time to further investigate. So we had to kind of lay low and figure it out. So then we went back, circled around, and did some research.
0: Right. And you really took the lead on the research, Jill. So why don't you tell us, what did you find out about the Putnams?
1: So really, um, what I found out about the the Putnams is that they had two twin daughters that ended up passing away. Um, Charles Putnam, like you had mentioned earlier, was a a wealthier man um, of society in the Nashville area. Um, There was no evidence that he ever committed a murder or had an affair. Um, There was a newspaper article regarding his death. So the Provemont Courier, uh, published August 15th, 1918, said that he had shot himself three times in an attempt to kill himself. He said when he had woken up from those attempts that he had tuberculosis and that he would prefer to die rather than spread the horrible disease. So um, on July 25th, 1918, he did um, pass from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the chest. Um, The death certificate did state the cause of death was via gunshot wounds through the apex of the lung and the right temple.
0: Okay, so he did kill himself. At least that portion of the story was true. true. Mm -hmm. Was there anything else that you found in your research that might have explained some of the more outrageous stories that Elizabeth shared with us?
1: Well, there was um, a brother that Charles had, again, a wealthy man um, from
0: the area uh,
1: further south, though, around Hinsdale, Michigan. And his brother was murdered and the wife of his brother his sister-in-law was on trial for that murder.
0: Okay, so, so that was a little salacious. Right. So the family was associated with scandal and some in in some aspects. Right. So right. I can see how over the years the story might have gotten elaborated upon. So what I did find um Wait, I have another question for you though. Yeah, sure. Did you did you feel like during the research you were able to tune in psychically to Charles? I did, and it felt
1: like um when I was focusing on Charles and I was looking at the picture of the portrait that I had taken, it felt like he was annoyed that his memory and his legacy was kind of um, skewed in a way. Mm, Caught Um, up
0: in this scandal. Yeah.
1: It was was like that was what he left behind, and it wasn't accurate at all. Mm. Um, So I I had that feeling from him. Interesting. But what I did find was in November in 1892, the Putnams took on a 15-year-old maid named Gertrude Bay. She lived with the family at the residence, and the family at the time that was living there included Charles, Agnes, and Agnes's nephew, Frank Smith. Mm. On February 16th of the following year, so February 1893, Gertrude was found shot upstairs in the residence. And um, there is a newspaper
0: article that, um, that
1: I had printed out for you, Jen,
0: if you can read it for us. Okay, so what I'm reading from is an excerpt from the Nashville News that was owned by Len Fainer. Correct. Okay, the title is By Her Own Hand. Miss Gertrude Bay shoots herself through the heart. Our village was thrown into a state of excitement yesterday afternoon by the sad death of Miss Gertrude Bay at the residence of C.M. Putnam on North Main Street at about half past two o'clock. She had done up her work and went upstairs to sweep and had been there but a short time when the occupants of the house, Mrs. Putnam, Mrs. Emma Simpson, and William Fainer, who were downstairs, heard what they supposed to be a pistol shot, immediately afterward a thump, as if someone had fallen. Mrs. Simpson immediately ran upstairs and went to the door of Miss Bay's room, and not seeing her, she called to her, but no one came, and stepping out of the room she glanced into another room, and a horrible sight met her gaze. There, lying on her back, just inside of the door, lay the poor unfortunate girl in a pool of blood, with her right hand clutching a revolver. She immediately gave the alarm, and Dr. W. H. Young was summoned, who found that the lower portion of her heart had been shot away, which had caused death instantaneously. A coroner's jury was impaneled by Justice Mills, consisting of the following gentlemen. I'm not going to read their names. Miss Bay was a brunette about 16 years of age, and is the daughter of Julius Bay and wife, who live about one and a half miles south of town. She had been in the employ of C.M. Putnam since last November and has always been cheerful and happy until yesterday morning when it was noticed by Mr. and Mrs. Putnam that she acted melancholy, and Mr. Putnam asked her if she was sick. She replied that she was not, and they thought no more about it. The weapon used was a thirty-two caliber rim fire revolver and belonged to Frank Smith, a young lad who lives at Mr. Putnam's. A sealed letter was found on which was only the words not to be opened for one year. The letter will, however, be opened by the coroner's jury, which will convene at nine o'clock this morning. Her parents and relatives are nearly prostrated with grief. And then there's one more short paragraph. The coroner's jury, which investigated the death of Miss Gertrude Bay, decided that she came to her death by a pistol ball fired by her own hand. But whether done by accident or with suicidal intent, they were unable to decide. The letter found in her room proved on being opened to have no bearing whatever on the case, being merely a sort of memorandum of passing events.
1: So when I found this article and shared it with you originally, I was feeling like I was Outraged? Do you remember, I like, do. like, in proportionate to the actual article? As it turns out,
0: yeah you you were
1: really upset about it. It felt like um, it felt one sided to me. The emotions unfair, unfair, unfair dismissive yes. of Gertrude. That's how it felt. And. Having reread, listening to you reread it today,
0: I don't have those same emotions. Right, because it was several months. We're in June now. Right, right. So it's- we've had several months to put this aside and process it. Right. Um, but initially, some of the notes that you and I took about
1: the article was um, that it doesn't mention where Charles or Frank was at the time of the shooting. Um, also, We made the assumption that there were other guns in the house and that she used Frank Smith's gun was a little suspicious. Yeah. So armed with that article and that information that we had based on it, I went back to the library for that um, once a month appointment where they opened up the upstairs. So I was with the um, Nashville Historical Society, a representative from that organization, and the head um, librarian at um, the library. And so they opened up and gave us access to the records and the different rooms upstairs. So immediately um, when I walked up the stairs and um, the gentleman from the historical society that was giving us the tour, he showed us where Gertrude's room was, where the maid's room was, the maid's quarter, as he called it. Mm -hmm. And it is in the farthest bedroom in the closet Wow. So to get to where Gertrude was living, you pass every other doorway, walk into the farthest bedroom and into the closet to knock on the door. So Mrs. Smith's version of how she found Gertrude and going to her door before noticing her on the floor um, couldn't have happened that way. Because Frank Smith's bedroom, where some of Frank Smith's belongings still resides, is the first bedroom on the right. So um, having noticed that, I asked the gentleman from the Historical Society and the head librarian if the floor plan had been changed upstairs. Maybe they put the closet in, there was a hall closet in front of the the bedroom closet, and they confirmed that it was the original floor plan, that they did make
0: no changes to the floor plan upstairs. So what do you think is the significance of that discrepancy between the article And the the layout, like, knowing that that couldn't have happened the way she described. Like, how do you make sense of that discrepancy? (sighs) I feel –
1: I don't know. It's just a bizarre discrepancy that seems unnecessary in my mind. What do you think?
0: Well, I think, you know, we had talked about this off the air about how – it there's so much that doesn't make sense there's th- th- with this article i mean i have so many questions after reading this mm-hmm. it's like nobody really wanted to investigate what really happened here mm-hmm. i mean why did she shoot herself what was the relationship between her and Frank? Mm-hmm. Where was Frank mm-hmm. the night she killed herself? And how did she have accents to Frank's gun? How did she know where he kept it? Right. And, and, then, and then, of course, the obvious question, whose room was she in when she shot herself too, right? Because right. She, it wasn't her room. And why wouldn't she shoot herself in her room? Right. I don't know. It's just all bizarre. So I think in my mind, it's just it 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 speaks to the fact that nobody really cared enough right nobody really cared enough to figure out what really happened to this girl what was the real story there was no investigation right and why do you think that
1: was Jill i mean what is i mean honestly i think it was scandalous that a young lady committed suicide in a in a wealthy gentleman's home mm. um i feel as if when i was researching um this story, and I was at the library, I discovered that Frank Smith himself had a connection to the gentleman that owned the Nashville News and who wrote the article. Len Finer. Len Feiner. Um, when Frank was a boy, he had um, written a mock newspaper to, um, to, to look like the Nashville News, and um, there was a gift that uh, Mr. Finer had given Frank. Um, years before. So I feel like this, the article and the way, and I don't know if there's any evidence of this, but it feels like this was specifically to address the event in a way that would squash any kind of scandal
0: around it. So Frank had a connection to the newspaper people. Did Mr. Putnam have a connection to the newspaper people? Well, if you recall in the article, Fainer
1: there's a William Fainer that was at the residence at the time of the death of That's Gertie. Right. So we know that they, the families were acquainted the with each fam- other, but we don't know the
0: specific William Fainer because there was many in the area. Okay. All right. And then also, for, um, it would have been certainly scandalous for a young lady to kill herself in this wealthy, um, you know, social socialite type person's home, right? Right. That would have been scandalous. But what about a relationship between his wife's nephew and a maid? Well, Frank Smith was
1: 17 at the time when Gertie was 15 at the time of her death. Um, it does seem plausible, especially during those ages, um, that something would have came up, um, maybe in, in terms of a relationship between the two. Of course, we can't say definitely. We don't know for sure. But... but-
0: it, that certainly would have been scandalous. That
1: certainly would have been scandalous. And again, um, referring back to the article, this young lady killed herself, shot herself in the chest with his gun in his bedroom. Probably. In the doorway in his bedroom. We have no
0: evidence of that, but psychically. Yeah. Well, we know that if she was in a
1: different doorway, and the doorway that she was in, we're assuming is the doorway um up to Frank's room. Right. Which, again, seems like she's almost pointing the finger at
0: Frank from beyond the grave. That's what my thoughts are. Very interesting. So d- during your research, did you find anything out about Frank?
1: I did. I looked into Frank. I found out that Frank's um, father died of a um, an opium overdose, and I found out that... Um, Frank himself was a veteran and died during the Spanish um, War. And they had brought... Spanish-American War. The Spanish-American War. And they had brought his body back to Nashville. And he is buried in the family um, plot at the cemetery. At the cemetery we were at. At the cemetery we were at. So the
0: cemetery we were at, looking at all the veterans' headstones, contains Frank Smith's veteran... Headstone, Correct. Marking his death in 1899. Correct. And the he, his,
1: um, his headstone next to his headstone has one of those metal stakes um, commemorating his service in the Spanish-American War. So let's debrief. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, I want to just bring up, now that we um, are debriefing, the start of the story, we had a bunch of breadcrumbs that just didn't make sense. They were out of sequence.
0: Right. Well, the whole, the whole, uh, Dowling library makes sense now. Right. In retrospect. Right. I had a vision of an old house converted into a library and we ended up at an old house converted into a library that happened to be a haunted house that also housed this mystery. Right. Right. Of Gertie. Right. Did, do you feel that Gertie herself led us there?
1: I definitely do. I feel like she took the opportunity in someone being curious and she, um, she collaborated with Mom to get us there. What about the war connection? It's Frank. We were in that cemetery
0: looking for Frank, and it's like a magic eye picture mm-hmm. We We just we didn't see it until the end after the research. right And it was completely verifiable which is what we set out to do in the first place. Find a story that was somewhat verifiable and you were able to verify a lot of it via research. And, um, the research that I was able to verify will all be in the,
1: the notes in, um, either on Facebook or in the notes of this episode.
0: All right. Is there anything else that you wanted to discuss? I just want to say that I feel,
1: um, when I was researching this, I really do feel a connection to Gertie and I do feel like her death was mishandled. And, um, really really not like you said investigated and I just hope people keep her in in your prayers and just send good thoughts and love to Gertie
0: oh thank you for saying that so um, check out our website at commonmystics.net for the show notes and photographs about this episode and also you can find us on Facebook and Twitter And if you like this episode, leave us a positive review. Like and subscribe to Common Mystics Podcast. Thank you, everybody.